We have several like that. Well, good morning there, class. You guys are a class act. <laughs> We're going to take our Bibles tonight and turn to the good old book of Proverbs, Proverbs 27. And hello, everybody out there in uh, video land. Or is it live streaming? Uh, or live screaming? So we're talking about uh, three things tonight, as we will be talking about three things through the next uh, three chapters of uh, Proverbs. Remember, we're dealing with uh, these subjects that all kind of come together with compassion and alerts and edification. Uh, each one of these uh, Proverbs and beginning with uh, 25 through 29, uh, all have uh, those three subjects. And uh, they're quite, they're interesting to say the least. Uh, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, but uh, Solomon, he's all over the place. It's not like line upon line, it's just, he just, whatever comes to his mind, he's going to spit it out, and then he moves on to something else. And so it's kind of interesting. There are just nuggets of, of wisdom there that we find through uh, these Proverbs. There are quite a few, uh, uh, we might call them warnings, that uh, we certainly need to apply to our lives. And then we have some interesting comparisons. And, of course, uh, as we read through the Word of God, whether it would be comparisons or warnings it all falls into the category of the Lord trying to build us up, either by exhorting us or reproving us or rebuking us. And so tonight uh, we'll begin by looking to Proverbs 27. We're going to tackle half of this proverb and then we'll finish the rest of it the next time we meet, if there is a next time. I don't know what's going on and why the news isn't so concerned about giving it more coverage, but what's going on in Israel is quite interesting. It has nothing to do with what I'm, we're going to be talking about tonight, but I just want to kind of throw this out at you. Uh, you know, remember back just a few months ago before Biden was elected, uh, President Trump had uh, uh, somehow through his administration was able to get uh, many of uh uh, the Arab uh, parties and nations together uh, under the uh, Arab Accord, and uh, they came up with this Abrahamic Accord that Israel and several Arab nations entered into, where the majority of the Arab world was working uh, with Israel in establishing peace in that land. And, of course, uh, there were quite a few people excited, and then there were certain politics that weren't excited about it because they were concerned it might get more votes for Trump, and they weren't, they weren't too happy about that. Uh, but nonetheless, it was there, and the world was very excited about it. The media didn't seem to cover it a whole lot, but the, the, the media in the, on the other side of the world was certainly covering it. And it was certainly exciting news throughout uh, Asia and the Middle East. And it should have been exciting news to us because it, it pulls us into prophecy where the Bible talks about in the last days, Israel is going to be 
talking a lot about peace. Israel's in the land. That, that is a fulfillment that we ought to be excited about. But it's kind of gotten old to us now because they've been in the land now for 70 years. But that 70 years is important to us because when they first entered into the land, they did not have Jerusalem as their capital, which the Bible is very clear on that Jerusalem is to be their capital for which Christ will reign from. But after 70 years, <clears throat> and that seems to be God's number, it has worked out that they were able to move their capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And then we have a year later, we have the Abrahamic Accord where we have all these Muslim nations entering into a peace treaty with Israel, actually acknowledging Israel's existence as a sovereign state. Now guess what's happening? Just like the Bible said, when they say peace, then sudden destruction comes. Iranian bombs are being lobbed from the Gaza Strip into Israel, even as I speak. And so far, uh, it looks like more than 300 lives have been taken. And uh, the media right now is crying, you know, foul play on Israel's part. Even though these uh, militant Palestinian uh, uh, movements are, are very involved in wanting to create war with Israel. And so our president... Uh, I believe there's part of him that wants uh, to be a friend to Israel, but he's playing the politics, and the politics are certainly not for Israel. Eventually, we as the United States, along with the rest of the world, will become Israel's enemy because Israel will be hated of all nations. And certainly, there's a big part of America that hates Israel, and there's a lot of protesting going on right now, even in Los Angeles, concerning uh, the need for a greater backing for these Palestinian militants. And so all of this is going on, and it's just a fulfillment of what the Bible says, that Israel would establish some kind of a peace treaty, but it would be very short-lived. And then all-out war would uh, ensue, and so we're just about ready to see that. We don't know for sure what could happen. Things are very volatile in that part of the world right now. Our president is calling for uh, leadership to somehow uh, encourage Benjamin Netanyahu to uh, cease fire upon the, the Palestinians. Well, that's kind of hard to do when uh, the militants are continuing to lob bombs at them. And so uh, we have no idea what this thing is going to end up uh, uh, coming to, but uh, we do know that there is quite a bit of activity right now with as far as Russia is concerned, as far as Syria is concerned. And so everything is all coming together for an all-out war in that part of the country. It could be that uh, Russia will come down along with, uh, with Iran, along with Libya, along with all these other countries that is mentioned over there in Ezekiel chapter 37. And uh, they will set out to try and uh, mobilize uh, the armies to bring Israel down, and then all of a sudden God intervenes, and a fifth part of their armies are destroyed, and they go running back to the north. 
And when all of that begins to happen, as it begins, we need to start practicing uh, jumping up because we're going to be out of here pretty soon. Those things, even though we're concerned for the loss of lives on both parties, it ought to concern us that innocent people, because any, you know, anytime you have something like that going on, you're going to have major collateral damage. And they don't go off into some field and fight like they did in the good old days. <clears throat> so all you know, the fighting's going on in the cities and the bombing's taking place and there are probably going to be some boots that are going to go down into the Gaza Strip. And so we don't know how all that's going to play out, but it's a very dangerous, very volatile situation. So continue to pray for the wisdom that only God can give to Benjamin Netanyahu and to our leaders. Um, and uh, pray that, that we'll be faithful to serve the Lord because we're living in unusual days and the Bible prophesied all these things and, and it's not uh, something that's just simply coincidental. <laughs> it was prophesied that it would happen and it's happening and uh, it just again uh, reminds us of how close we are to the coming of the Lord. As we talk about our lesson tonight, we see in Proverbs 27 beginning verse number uh, one through four, that uh, we have some cautions here. And then as we drop down to verse number 13 and 14, uh, we see that our study tonight also carries on a couple more cautions. First of all, we have a caution concerning boasting. We read in verse number one, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And then he goes on to say in verse number two, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. When we um, start boasting about what we're going to do, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> here's what I plan to do. I want to save up my money. I'm going to buy me a beautiful home. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy life. I want to get a good education. I want to plan my life and I want to marry, and I want to have a great family, and and we, you know, we say all these things without any regard to what the Lord wants or what God's will is, and so everything that we say should always be, well, by the grace of God, here's what I would like to do. I know that I don't have the power within myself to see these accomplishments. There's, there's certainly no way that uh, I can get this done, but I believe by by the will of God and through God's direction and with God's help, here's what I would like to do. And so we write out our plans with the understanding that God's will must be in it. So we pray and we ask, Lord, is this your will? If it is your will, then here's what I would like to accomplish uh, through your leadership and through your guidance. In other words, your will be done. We see that over in James chapter 4, verse number 13. He says, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there and a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanish away. For you ought to say, if the Lord, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. 
But we need to be careful about boasting and rejoicing about what we're going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to be a man of greatness, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to build a great church for God, and, and uh, I've got all these wonderful plans, and, and uh, God's, going to, God, uh, God's going to be so happy that I've decided to serve Him. And so here's what I plan on doing for my Lord. No, it's always the will of the Lord. Even Jesus Christ prayed, Lord, thy will be done. And then as we move on in verse number three and four, this is kind of an interesting phrase, a stone is heavy. Of course, we know that, especially if it's a big stone. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Well, that's an interesting parallel there. Wrath is cruel, he goes on to say, and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? Wow. That's kind of an interesting phrase here. Because envy, when we come right down to it, envy is what got us in the mess that we're in right now. It all started way back before we were ever created. When there was someone in heaven that was created to be very beautiful, very wise, and God created him with great power. He was a cherubim, and uh, he was there to serve the Lord. And he was given great authority and great power, but he was filled with envy. He was so filled with envy that he thought within himself that he could take the position of God. And there have been more churches ruined by envy. Some young associate uh, starts envying the office of his pastor. He's no longer there as the servant of his pastor. He envies his position. He envies the authority that God has given to his pastor. And he feels that he can do a much better job if only he had the position and so he becomes like an Absalom. He starts getting the hearts, stealing the hearts of the people and turning them away from uh, their leader and sets out to do everything that he can to take possession of the church. And eventually we find every time a situation like that unfolds, in most cases, the church ends up disbanding. Uh, people get behind the young leader who is envious of that position and eventually, it destroys. It is more heavier than rocks. It's heavier than sand. You could take stones and lob at the church, and yes, you could do a lot of damage, but a envious spirit can do more damage than all the rocks you could ever throw at that pastor. And a lot more weightier than anything else that you could throw at him. Uh, and the devil uses that. And so, and, and, Envy is the bottom line for pride. First, uh, you know, there is that, well, <laughs> I'd sure like one day to be a pastor, but I would like to be the pastor of this church. I would like to see what I could do with this church. In fact, I, I believe if I had this church, here's what I could do. I would do this and I would. And so you, you see the boasting. 
There's no God's will in it. There's no will if the Lord will. If that's what God wants for me, perhaps he'll put it in my pastor's heart when he's ready to sit down and retire and he feels like he can no longer serve. Perhaps the Lord will use me. But now it's all about how I can get in there. And uh, there's pride and there's arrogance and there's jealousy. And that jealousy... <clears throat> And brings them to a place to where they're envious. They're so filled with envy, they're sick with the envy. And people like that with marriages. I should have got him first. He loved me more than, than he loved her. And um, I just didn't have a chance. Well, I'm going to get my chance. I'm going to do everything that I can to win his love over to me. And there are those that are envious over your marriage, and they will set out to destroy your marriage. Uh, <clears throat> we find that through every, just about every walk of life. There are people that are envious over a position that you may have at work. And the jealousy and the pride and the arrogance and, the, and they're sick with envy is uh, what destroys those people. We need to be careful of those people because, uh, well, we'll say a little more about that later because usually there's a lot of flattery and there's a lot of things that, that, that are feigned with those people. And we have to be very careful and watch out for those. And down through the years as I've pastored, I've run across a few situations like that. Um, but that's what it is. I've had pastors that was envious over the growth of our church. And they set out through gossip and things that they perceived to be that was totally wrong to share with other pastors. Well, Brother Nolan, he's a compromiser. Uh, they, don't, they don't hold to the same fundamental values we hold to. He and Matheny, they're teaching people to speak in tongues and, and, uh, and uh, be slain in the spirit. And it's a very, very strong charismatic church. Yeah, we laugh at that, but we found out that that was true. We had this one family by the name of Reagans. They came and sang for us, Brother Jim Reagan. We were taking them out for dinner afterwards. He said, Brother Nolan, I have to say that when I came here, I was a little, little apprehensive about even being here because of what some of the preachers are saying about you and Brother Matheny, but I'm glad I came because I realized none of that's true. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> yeah, we... We run across those things. You know, they, and it is what it is. But, you know, it was only by the grace of God that I never got bitter and withdrew from fellowship with, with those people because I realized they're not all like that. And I just kept myself by the grace of God through His humility that He was able to give me by continuing to fellowship with those pastors, and in time they could see that what they were hearing was coming from preachers that were just filled with envy and jealousy. And by the way, some of those pastors are no longer in the ministry now. And some of them that were so filled with envy and jealousy ended up going down some roadway that led them to immorality. We need to be careful that we don't allow Satan to get a hold of our hearts and destroy us with our own jealousy and our own pride and arrogance and what we, many times, what we are so filled with envy over that it, 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 it becomes a tormentor to us. 
And then uh, we see in verse number 13 the caution of investing in those who are living in immorality. Now, like I said, this kind of jumps all over the place. We read in verse number 13, he says, Take his garment that is certainty for a stranger, and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Uh, as we make better sense of this, Proverbs 20, verse number 16, it says, Take his garment that is certainty for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Now that makes that explains what we just read over there in Proverbs chapter 27. <laughs> it says the same thing. Well, what is it saying? Well, it's, it's just simply saying, you know, if you're an investor and you're going to invest in people and you're going to pull money out of your pocket and you're going to invest in whatever they're doing and hope, hopefully you'll make some kind of an income from it, you better make sure if that person can't be trusted, if they don't have the right kind of integrity, the right kind of morality or whatever, uh, before you uh, put out any money for, for the purpose of gaining interest on that money, you better make sure you got plenty of collateral from those people to back up whatever you're going to invest in because you'll probably end up losing what you invest in unless you have collateral from them to back it up. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> so often uh, we jump out there, try to help out a stranger. There have been those that have loaned money to strangers. And then, what in the world were they thinking? Why are they doing that? We have family, I won't say too much about this, but right now we know someone that's loaning money to someone that they should be loaning money to because of the lifestyle and what those people are involved in. And uh, you loan money, or not loan money, but uh, be a co-signer or back that person up. I, I would never do that. In fact, I won't do it for a fellow Christian. I'm not going to put my, my name on any, any contract that makes me responsible for payment of any money that they're going to borrow unless they got plenty of collateral to back it up. And then I might consider it. They, they, want, to, they want to borrow $100,000, but they got a million dollars worth of property and they're willing to sign that over to me if they don't pay, then I might consider something like that. Yeah. <laughs> And then we see in verse number 14, the caution of blessing someone with a loud voice. Well, this is not, it's really an insincere voice. You, know, you get up early in the morning and you're going around yelling at everybody. Oh, it's a good morning, everybody wake up. Aren't you happy? It's so good to see your smiling face this morning. Come on, let's everybody get up. You're your good brother and friends out here waiting on you. Let's get down to the meeting. <laughs> and it's like three hours before the meeting starts. And he said, brother, I just want you to know I love you after waking you up out of a dead sleep. <laughs> You've worked all week long getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go out there and milk those cows. And, and then you go down to a, a Bible conference and you get, have an opportunity to sleep in until like 7 o'clock in the morning and someone gets up at 5 and wakes everyone up. And then they wonder, you know, why uh, he's upset with them all day. 
that happened one time. They said, well, why is Brother so-and-so? He acts like he's mad at me. I said, well, yes, he's mad at you. He works hard all week long. And uh, this is his only day to sleep in a little bit. And you're up there, you know, waking everybody up, blessing everybody. But you're not blessing. It's a curse. <laughs> woke us out of our sleep. You know, and sometimes it's just done out of, you know, they're just vain, they're phony. We have these, these phony type of people that came to Jesus. We see that over in the Gospel of Luke. You might want to turn there, Luke's Gospel, chapter 20. We read in verse number 20 that there were those that watched him, and they sent forth spies which should feign themselves just men. <laughs> And so as they feigned themselves just men, that they might take hold of his word, that they might deliver him unto the power and the authority of the governor. So they asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. You see, you've got to be careful of these kind of birds. They're out there praising you and they're calling you Master. And by the way, Master simply meant that you was a great teacher, a great uh, theologian and so they have all these swelling words but they're doing everything that they can to bring a curse upon him he says and so and the Lord Jesus notice in verse number 23 he perceived their craftiness I I don't know what it is but as you grow a little older in wisdom and you go through some uh, certain life experiences, uh, you begin to have a little bit of uh, all wisdom about uh, what comes at you. Uh, it's called discernment. And you have this discerning spirit that that person is praising you. We got all that flattery and everything. You better watch out for him. I remember years ago we had uh, Brother... <clears throat> Doug Fisher, up there at Calvary Baptist Church in Roy, Washington. I just took the church, and I was a little rather proud of the fact that I was pastoring this rather large church in this big, huge auditorium, and had great plans on filling it up, and I invited us several uh, what we might call big-name heavyweight preachers, you know, to come and preach for us. And one of the preachers that we invited to come up and preach was Brother Doug Fisher. And the church had this big balcony that uh, <clears throat> overlooked the auditorium. And no one, uh, until he was ready to preach, they looked around for Brother Doug Fisher. They couldn't find him. Well, he'd be hiding up there in the balcony watching the people. True story, at the end of the meeting, he said, Brother Noel, I want to share something with you. You got a family of two or three men in your church. You need to watch them. He says, um, and they and they were always just filled with all kinds of flattery about what a great pastor I was, how wonderful my preaching was, uh, the great things that they know that's going to be accomplished through my leadership. And he said, Brother Nolan, watch those people. And so in time, yes, they became a problem. And um, it was all feigned. It wasn't real. 
they had some other underlying motive for uh, what they wanted to see for the church. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> there are those, as we get a little older, God begins to give us some, uh, some of that discernment. Uh, many times he gives that discernment to your wife. And you might want to listen to your wife. Uh, yeah, she may feel uncomfortable about a certain person or certain people. I don't know what it is about those people, but I really don't care for those people. And then later on, you find out. And so it's important that uh, we pray and ask the Lord to give us discernment so that we not fall into the trap of those that, uh, that just simply want to use us. No use flattery. Uh, they'll use all kinds of deceptive words, but it's not from the heart. It's a feigned love, as we read over there in the book of Peter. But then we must move on. Edification. Oh, here we go. We find in verses uh, 5 through 6 and verses 9 through 11 uh, that uh, there is some edification that God would have us to understand. First of all, the edification in regards to the reproof of a friend. Open rebuke is better than secret love. We read in verse number 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The best way to interpret that is, again, is to look at Scripture. And we read in Proverbs 28, verse number 23, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with his tongue. See, a real friend will tell you the truth and still be your friend. A real friend will tell you the truth because he cares about you. A real friend will know everything that there is to know about you and still be your friend. A friend will always watch uh, your backside for you. But there are those that will pretend to be your friend and, and they're out to get you from your backside. <laughs> you need to be careful of those. So if you have a friend that sometimes comes to you and says, you know, dear brother, can I share some constructive criticism? And sometimes it's, it hurts to hear constructive criticism, but if you'll be wise, you'll listen to it. Uh, because uh, they care about you. They're not out to hurt you. They're out to help you. Where someone else would, might flatter you, you go to that someone else and say, oh, well, I thought, brother, so-and-so was my friend. He just came and he just tore me down. He just, he, he said it was constructive criticism, but it was just flat criticism. That's all it was. And, uh, you know, the one filled with flattery said, Brother, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, you are great. You are, man, you are fantastic in that area. What's he talking about? <laughs> and watch out for that, brother. And then we see in verse number 9, here we have some uh, edification concerning the value of, a, of hearty counsel of a friend. We read in verse number 9, ointment and perfume uh, rejoice the heart, so does the sweetness of a man's friends by hearty counsel. 
It's always good to have someone that you can lean upon and go to in time of pro in trouble and, and know that you'll get some godly advice. And when he can't give you good counsel, he's the kind of friend that say, you know what, brother, I really, I'm not that familiar in that area, but I'll certainly pray about that. Let me talk to some other people and see what, how, what they might know. I've got some other friends that know a little more about that than I do. And I'll see what I can do to help you. It's good to have friends like that. By the way, in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. The Bible says where there is no counsel, the people fall. And then we, we see the value of a friend in verse number 10. It says, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity or of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Again, we read in Proverbs 17 and verse number 17, a friend loveth at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Sometimes those that set out to destroy us more than anyone else are people, people of our own household. Remember, Abel had a brother by the name of Cain. Remember, uh, <clears throat> Uh, we find out all throughout the Word of God how even Jesus Christ, his own family, spoke against him until the Lord opened up their eyes. They remember we talked about that in, as we were going through the book of Mark. And uh, we talked about how he's without honor among his own family and in his own household. And so... <clears throat> It's good to have friends. Uh, I have, I have uh, good family members, but I can tell you I have friends that have done a lot more to encourage me and help me than my own family. <laughs> just something about that. I don't know what it is. I mean, they say blood is thicker than water, but sometimes friendship is thicker than blood. And so <clears throat> it is always good to have some friends. And then, um, in order to have friends, we must show ourselves friendly. How about that? And then we see the value of a father's counsel. Here's something that uh, you young people need to listen to. My son, my son. So this has come from a father to a son. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. You know, it's important that we do everything that we can to honor our parents, to, to make their hearts glad and make their hearts proud that uh, they have a son that sets out to do the right thing. We read uh, in Proverbs 10 and verse number 1 again, where we see something more, that a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Well, you say, well, what about dear old daddy? Well, you upset mommy, then daddy's going to be upset too because you've upset mommy. <laughs> Nothing worse than a father that has a wife that's upset with her children. Sometimes dads want to exercise tough love, 
but the mother's upset and she's got that spirit of the Holy Spirit and she's a little more tolerant and long-suffering and it frustrates the, the father or the husband. But if he's worth his salt and he understands anything about the Bible, he'll be patient with his wife because sometimes God uses that tender love of a mother to reach that rebellious son. And then we read in Proverbs 27, verse number 7 and 8, and we're finally going to conclude with verse number 12, these comparisons. The comparison of a full stomach and an empty stomach. The full soul loatheth and honeycomb, but the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You know... <clears throat> It would be nice if God's people had a, a hunger and an appetite for God. We're full of religiosity and have no appetite for the Bible. Where it's so much better when we have a hunger for the Word of God. But we need to empty ourselves of all the religiosity that sometimes we fill ourselves up with. And people sometimes, I tell you what, there's a lot of religiosity on that boob tube. And people sit at home and they, well, you know what, I need to go to church. I, I go to church every day, I've heard them tell me this. I go to church every day. I got Benny Hinn in the morning, and I got old Brother Jake in the afternoon, and I got old Snake the Rake in the evening, you know. <laughs> and then when I'm out and about, I listen to all the radio preachers. So what do I need to go to church for? So they're full. There's just something about being here. <clears throat> And then we see the comparison of a bird that wanders from his place and a man who does the same. We read in verse number 8, As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Preachers wander from their place. They think it's better on the other side. I have to admit that uh, I thought that I was, <laughs> I was somewhat flattered that uh, they they wanted me to pastor Calvary Baptist Church, and so I wandered from my place. I, I often wonder if I would have just stayed right here, what we could have accomplished. But praise the Lord, the, loud, the Lord allowed me to wander back here. <laughs> so at least he kept the nest open for me. Uh, but sometimes there's a lot of wasted time when we wander from our place. We think the grass is always greener on the other side. And we get there and we find out that's worse. <laughs> and then as we move on here, we see in conclusion, verse number 12, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. We see the same thing over in Proverbs 22 and verse number 3. We read, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, and the simple pass on and is punished. In other words, the simple, they don't pay any attention to God's warnings. They don't pay attention to the consequences of God's judgments. Uh, they, you know, they're just not listening. 
they, they, they said, well, you know, jokingly, I'm too poor to pay attention. So they just continue on and not giving any heed to what the Word of God says. And they continue on. They hear it, you know. Son, if you don't stop doing the drugs, and if you don't stop the drinking, and if you don't stop the lifestyle, you're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your marriage. And they don't heed to that. And then later on, after they lost their home and marriage, son, if you don't continue, if you continue on in this, you're going to lose your health. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to end up in convalescent care. And they continue on, and they are punished. God, help us to reach these people to where they don't go to that place. The simple-minded. And, of course, we could use all kinds of analogies there. It's very important that we be careful to listen to God's instructions. And there are others out there that you go to them and you say, you've got to stop that lifestyle. It's going to destroy your home. It's going to destroy your marriage. And they say, you know what, Pastor? I thank you for sharing that with me. And they get their heart right with God and they repent of the lifestyle that they're living and, and God is blessing their home and their marriage and their walk with God. And so we can be prudent or we can be simple. The simple are the naive. They think that they can actually not heed and not have the consequences. Where the prudent are very careful to heed because they realize that's true. And since that's true, I better be very cautious with what I do because I don't want to end up like that. And so they repent because they are prudent. They are cautious and concerned about the consequences where the simple do not believe that those consequences apply to them. With every head bowed.